As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Buffalo Bills defeating the Seattle Seahawks by a score of 44 to 34. We hope you took our advice and took the over, by the way. Uh, the Bills advancing themselves to 7-2 and two on the season and quite possibly getting their biggest victory in terms of the opponent that they played in the Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean era. So the Bills, obviously, there's a lot to discuss with this win. My name is Joe Biscalia. With me, as always, is my podcast partner, Matthew Fairburn. And Matthew, I think there's only one place we can start with this game. And it's the player that you wrote about and got a lot of thoughts about him. Um, it's the player that obviously I had to cover in my observations that I'll post on Monday morning as well. It's Josh Allen, because at one point in the game, the guy had more touchdowns than incompletions. And he had already thrown, I think, 23 passes at that point. So it's like you have this this burgeoning star that throws for over 400 yards, that, that gets four total scores, protects the ball, and even when he's getting sacked like he was, still plays at a high level. I mean, this this was just a top-notch performance from Allen and really a maybe not a throwback, but getting him closer to that to that uh, that mold that he was early in the season and showing that perhaps it, it wasn't just a, a fluky thing that maybe some people thought it was. Yeah, I think this was his best game of the season. Um, and he played really well in September, uh, had some really great games then against Miami, uh, against the Rams, maybe his best game in that first month. But I think this one was better than all of those because of the various factors that he had to deal with during the game, uh, and leading up to the game. Uh, we found out after the game that, that Josh's grandmother passed away on Saturday or I don't know if she passed away leading up to this game in the week leading up. I think it was on Saturday that Josh found out and was 
talking to Sean McDermott about it and decided to play in the game. And, you know, so there's, you know, compartmentalizing all that coming into the game and, you know, still finding a way to focus on playing, you know, against an MVP candidate and Russell Wilson and a Seahawks team that was six and one coming into this game. And they get off to the huge start, the fast start, 17 to nothing. Everything's going their way. Like you said, he had more touchdowns than incompletions at one point uh, in the first half. He had um, the best first half he's ever had, the best first half a Bills quarterback has had since the early 90s. And yet things got a little bit tricky in the second half. He was under a ton of pressure. The Seahawks were blitzing like crazy. He was sacked seven times, which he's only been sacked that often one other game, and that was the Packers, his rookie year, which was maybe the worst game of his career. So he deals with all that pressure, deals with all the um, the hits and, and everything else that he's fighting through, and finds a way to keep coming back, keep making the plays. And it, it felt like he needed this this game, that, that the team needed this offensive performance. And we'll get into the defense too, because they probably needed that defensive performance just as bad. But uh, it felt like they needed to break out of that slump of sorts that they were in as a passing offense. It wasn't um, as if they couldn't move the ball at all as a passing offense, but they hadn't had a game quite like this one. And it, and the Seahawks were the worst passing defense in the league coming into this game. So everything set up really nicely for it. And Josh Allen took complete and total advantage, looked as comfortable as he had since September. And I think it's a, a nice little confidence boost heading into the second half of the season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he was on fire today. And a lot of this had to do with the opponent, too. I mean... It's it's really, I'm not at all taking anything away from Josh Allen, but you have to at least consider that he was going against a passing defense that was historically bad. Like, <laughs> they're allow, they were allowing 358 passing yards per game coming into this game. So And that I mean, average that is going to go up. <laughs> yes, it certainly is um, because because of what Allen was able to do. So in, in that fact, it was impressive. But yes, this is this is a secondary that has struggled all season long. And even though they got Jamal Adams back, I, I think we kind of talked about it on the podcast. He the guy can't be everywhere. And so you still have backup upon backup everywhere through throughout their secondary. Um they were still without their their top corner, Griffin. And because of all of these factors, there was just a lot of running room. So Stefan Diggs took advantage. I mean, it he was so open all game and had so much room to roam even after the catch it was at one I think on one reception they they just had Bobby Wagner pick him up and on a crosser and it's like what what are you doing like why why are you allowing this to happen on the Bills top receiver and one of the best NFL receivers this season but you know the Bills rightfully took advantage of it they went to four wide receiver quite a bit like they have in the past but this year or in this game the results of their four wide receiver sets were actually incredible um and of course it, it goes to show just how dynamite the passing offense was all game today but when they went to four wide receiver sets there were 
15 plays in which they were in it. They gained a total of 158 yards on those plays for a yards per play average of 10.5. That's ridiculous every single time you, you put four receivers on the field. And not to mention, on a couple of those, they were sacks by by the Seahawks for negative yardage. So that just makes it more impressive how much yardage they were, they were able to gain um, throughout the rest of their time on the field. So Allen was just dialed in today. I mean, it, there wasn't even a, a hint of recklessness. There wasn't even a hint of him potentially turning the ball over um, by making a, a bad decision with his arm. I mean, the guy was on fire all game. And it's really, this has really been a culmination of not only just getting back to the form that, that he had earlier in the season, I th- even in these last four games leading up to the Seahawks one, I feel like, and we, we touched a little bit on this too on the previous podcast, that his his bad games are much better than they were before. But even he maintained that, that same level of consistency where he wasn't just turning into hero ball guy or or Wyoming Josh as we call we as as we've called him before. He has always just kind of stayed steady. And when he's had his opportunities, he's been able to take advantage of them. And he clearly had one against the Seahawks. And so this is just another sign of them getting that very consistent level of play from Allen with the potential for games like this one. So the Bills have to be feeling really darn good about their quarterback, uh, especially nine games into his third season now. It's it's no longer just a small sample size. This is this is over half of the year of what many people b- believe to be a quarterback's most important season, and he has crushed it over half the games and has been pretty consistent on, in those other games. So this is these are all positive signs pointing in the right direction for the Bills. And if they had any doubts before, I think and I'm pretty sure that they didn't, I think Allen just kind of slammed the door shut on any further doubts that they might have had that that this is their guy moving forward. Yeah, the question now becomes, you know, what, and, and we sort of, you know, started to delve into this conversation a little bit. Maybe it was after the Dolphins game or, or one of those early games, but the question becomes, you know, what, what tier, I guess, or, or how good. We know that they have their guy. Um, we know that he's a good quarterback and a guy that can pull out games like this from time to time. The question is how consistently and really, you know, the funny thing about this Bills season and where they're at and where Josh Allen is, is I feel like the next answers that everybody's looking for and waiting for are probably not going to come till January. Um, right. it's, it's weird exactly. to think about that usually in November and December, we're sitting here going through playoff scenarios and, um, you know, wondering whether the, the team can scratch and claw its way into the postseason and, um, you know, what that means. And, of course, you know, the the playoff berth a few years ago when they clinched it against the Dolphins and, and the euphoria that that was. But even last year, it seemed like this this big celebration just to get in. Now it's, there's, you know, seven and two, 
90% of teams that start the season 7-2 and two since 1990 make the playoffs, and there's an extra playoff spot this year. So that number's even closer to 100, especially when you consider the, the Patriots are so far behind. The Dolphins are still pretty close to the Bills, but, um, you know, it would be it would take a, a strange turn of events for the Bills to not end up in the playoffs. And and so now it's it's less about, okay, you know, Josh Allen has these good games and, you know, is he the guy? Is he good? Is he not? You know, in that argument, the next step he just has to take is is do it in the playoffs and be that guy in the playoffs. And obviously we're not going to figure that out um, in the next two months uh, until they play a playoff game. But they now have a quarterback capable of doing what Josh Allen did today and doing what he did in September. That alone gives a different level of hope heading into January than Bills fans are accustomed to because it's not a guarantee that they win a playoff game. It's not a guarantee that this Josh Allen shows up in January, but he's in there somewhere. And with the right matchups and with the right game plan and the, the right game flow and game script, things can go that way. And he can, you know, get on a roll and get on a tear. So it it really changes the the conversation about the team in a lot of ways. And you know, it's a question of you know, will this be a guy that becomes a Matthew Stafford type, where he's got the four hundred yard, four touchdown games in him, but nothing ever comes together in the playoffs. You know, the way Jay Cutler was breaking out and and didn't, you know, break through in the playoffs? Or is this going to be, you know, Patrick Mahomes last year or, you know, insert young quarterback uh, who also takes the next step in the playoffs? Even Deshaun Watson last year, you know, had his playoff moment. That's the next thing people are waiting for from Josh Allen mm-hmm. because now it's um, he's had these games. And, and, yes, like you said, this was against the Seahawks who are – banged up and not playing well in the back half of their defense. But while Russell Wilson is, you know, attempting comebacks and and constantly kind of uh, in the back of Josh Allen's mind, knowing that he has to keep scoring and has to keep the pressure on, he kept coming through. And um, the stat I pointed out last week about Josh Allen – on passes 10 or more yards down the field, which is just a pretty good indicator of the intermediate and deep game, a a good indicator of a guy not just dumping the ball off all game and getting yards because his guys are are running after the catch. Allen was 12 for 15 on passes that traveled 10 or more yards in the air today. He's never completed 12 passes that traveled at least 10 yards in the air in a game in his career. So, he was not just dinking and dunking. He was, he, and it wasn't, you know, nine balls. It wasn't go routes all day, but it was, um, you know, the intermediate part of the field that that he was just carving up the Seahawks with, and and that's where that's going to be the most consistent, you know, week to week. Uh, the deep ball is going to come and go, um, whether a team gives it to you or not. Uh, you're not always going to be able to throw the ball deep, but the intermediate part of the field, you have to be able to take advantage of and. And he did it time and time again on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, he that intermediate accuracy for him has been kind of his calling card uh, the, the last, well, really 
when we really saw him start to motion forward last season, that was the area that he really started to pick it up. And now you have passing performances. I mean, I know we've we've talked about this, but it's still kind of ridiculous to think about how we were talking about 60% completed passes being the benchmark and this guy just completed like 82% of his passes against the Seahawks in a 400 plus passing yard day. So it's like, okay, well, there, there goes, I guess, hours of our lives that, that were, that were discussed about, about all that stuff, because he's clearly a more accurate passer. He's clearly put in the work. It's whatever they have done has worked with him from a mechanical standpoint and, and just from a mental approach standpoint. So now it's a matter of, if he can do it against better opponents, because it's not always going to be the Seahawks, better defensive opponents, I should say. I mean, it's it's another kind of thing crossed off here that he can win these shootout type of games against another prolific offense, and so the Bills know that they can play that complete effort and know that they can rely on their passing attack to get them going. It's about what they do against some of the better defenses out there because they will see those teams in the playoffs later this this season. I mean, they've got a pretty uh, fiery matchup against uh, the Steelers. The, the Dolphins seem to be players now, and they just beat the Cardinals, So, uh, and they've got a pretty easy schedule coming up, so perhaps the Dolphins could even threaten for the AFC East if all goes well for them, but neither here nor there they have a defense that is starting to come together that could potentially give Josh Allen problems and then you also I mean there's just a lot of they just have to prove themselves against some of these better defenses but to Allen's credit he has done all of these things um, and has just continuously checked off boxes so, yes, to your point, the intermediate accuracy needs to continue for them to get where they want to go because the, the go balls are are fine, and and as long as you are connecting on some of those throughout the year, teams have to respect it. But it's that intermediate area that will take them to the next level because a lot of these defenses are playing zone coverage against them and the Seahawks are a zone coverage team so it just kind of fit into their mold but him being able to dice that up and not and giving his receivers ample room to run after the catch I mean these are all very promising signs for for Allen and and the potential of what this offense could become even against better opponents yeah I think the the question about the you know the better defenses and you know these better opponents to me it's it's a matter of how the bills offense matches up against some of the best teams in the conference and these are teams that are going to see you more often and and be able to game plan and scheme against you and have answers for you so far the chiefs have had that uh, against allen the Titans had that against Allen. The Steelers, we'll see. They're a good defense. Um, they certainly matched up well against him last year, but it's a different quarterback, different offense, you know, completely different 
um, you know, scheme in some ways. So we'll see what what that looks like uh, about a month from now. But those are the three teams at the top. Ravens, you could have the same conversation as the Steelers about. They had Josh's number last year, but, you know, we'll see. It's a different quarterback now. So those are the four teams I think you think about when you talk about defenses matching up against Josh Allen and whether he and the rest of the offense are up to the challenge because Mm -hmm. those are the teams you have to get through. If the Bills, and this is why this win is a pretty big deal, if the Bills can somehow get the three seed, which won't be easy because they don't have head-to-head against the Titans and they don't have it against the Chiefs, but it's not impossible. They just have to win a lot of games. And they still have a game against the Steelers, so you know that could that would help them too. Um, but being the four seed means you might end up matching up against the Baltimore Ravens in the first round. So you know it's not an impossible or the matchup. Steelers. Or the Steelers, <laughs> yeah, the loser of the AFC North, essentially. Um, right. Not an impossible matchup, but probably not your preferred matchup when teams like the Colts or the Browns or the Raiders or the Dolphins would be there if you're the the three seed or the two seed or even the one seed. The one seed's not out of play here um, if they keep, you know, if they set that bar. And I think that's where, um, you know, this this win can, can change the conversation a little bit. And it's a matter of, you know, them maintaining, you know, this this level of play and, and bringing this, this type of intensity to, um, you know, every game and, yeah, that, that's why, you know, when we talk about ugly wins and, and kind of poke holes in some of those wins, it's better to be doing that when they win because, you know, then they're 7-2 and two instead of 5-4 uh, and four or whatever they would have been if they had lost some, some very close games. So um, they worked their way through a rough patch as an offense and as a team, and it seems like they're – they're coming together uh, in a lot of ways. They have certain players playing at the level that they need to play at if this is going to be a team that can contend in January. And it starts with Josh Allen, and it, it continues on to guys like Tredavious White, um, who made a big mm-hmm. play today. Um, I mean, heck, even A.J. Klein was getting it done today. So they, they have some guys playing playing well at, uh, at opportune times. And, you know, now it's about doing the same thing when – when the AFC's best are, are on the other sideline in January. Yeah, there there was a I do want to just taking it away from the the big picture just just a minute. There was a brief moment in this game where it looked like it was about to get away from them. It was in the second half and this was, you know, uh, it was when the Seahawks were able to pull within 10 points. Uh, they cut it down to 27 to 17 and w- all within this 10 play stretch on offense that spanned two offensive series the bills were just giving up countless pressures the seahawks were bringing all of these different blitz packages the bills didn't know how to pick it up and and they couldn't pull themselves out of it at, at that point so not only did the Seahawks pulled to within 10 points. But after that initial drive that ended in a sack and a punt, 
um, they were able to pull within seven in the second half. And they kind of got bailed out because over that over that 10-play stretch that I'm talking about, the Seahawks wound up with four sacks, or what should have been four sacks. And on the fourth one, it was on the play that ended up being the illegal contact downfield. It was a third and whatever. It happened on Jamal Adams. It gets called for contacting Cole Beasley. And then that winds up giving the Bills the first down. But to Allen's credit, and because this was a, a very distinct moment where we have seen a lot of these other drives kind of fall to the wayside because of um, just these these errors leading up to it or or you know just not having that sort of momentum to get themselves together he kind of used that that uh, mistake by the Seahawks as a restart because then they marched down and scored a touchdown wound up going up by 14 points and that was not all she wrote but it it was it was getting into that territory for the bills by going up 14 points that late in the game so uh, there that's just a, a kudos to the offense because they didn't have it for a good 10 play stretch there and the Seahawks really looked like they were threatening but they were because of the Seahawks made a mistake they were able to snap themselves out of it is a little bit of luck sure absolutely do they need to communicate better along the offensive line? Does Zach Moss need to be a better pass protector? Uh, do they need to call in the the tight end to protect uh, earlier than than they did over that ten play stretch? Absolutely. But to their credit, they they pulled it together and they were able to um, even on the same drive in which it looked like they were dead in the water, uh, they were able to put it together and get a touchdown out of it. So. Uh, so yeah, that that's just another thing that that was impressive from this game that very easily could have gone the other way had the offense not been playing as well as they had today. Well, they didn't turn the ball over either, which is also that you know like we've seen a lot of these games and in these situations where they get into those moments where teams furiously coming back and then a bad turnover happens or. Uh, Maybe it's more often when they're on the other side too, and they're trying to come back, and they they turn the ball over. And the Seahawks turned the ball over four times in this game, and the Bills didn't turn it over once. Uh, you know, all of those turnovers were Russell Wilson too. They were uh, two mm-hmm. sack fumbles and two interceptions. The interception to Tre'Davious White, which essentially sealed the game, it looked like he never saw Tre'Davious White, and and Tre'Davious White was reading him the whole way. So, you know. To have no mistakes um, like that from Allen, I think, was kind of the difference in a big way. I mean, it, it was only a 10-point game, and you win the turnover battle by four. Um, win the turnover battle by four, you're going to win the game almost every single time, but still was a 10-point game, which speaks to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and the the offense that they have, but, but also just the way that they played offense, the Bills played offense, even when things weren't going particularly well they managed to you know keep it together um, and not let it totally unravel with all the sacks that Josh Allen took he didn't fumble at all and I don't think there was a pass that was even remotely interceptable yeah. for the Seahawks yeah, there wasn't there, there there definitely wasn't and that was one of the more impressive things because 
you know, sometimes we've seen them kind of airmail it and it, it gets a little bit in trouble and you're like, okay, well, Josh, what, what exactly were you doing there? It, it That just tends to happen from time to time and uh, in a game. It's just kind of who he is. You have to learn to live with that because that's that's what he is at this point in time um, where he's going to be inaccurate on, on some plays here or there. But really, that really didn't pop up today. And... I mean, it just shows the the level that he was playing at, and and how he's going through there. And of course, I, I remember early in the season too when you brought up the the not fumbling thing. That was such a huge topic of conversation because at that point, this what did he fumble twice in that first game against the Jets? Yeah, and lost them I both. Think, right, and so he had fumbled. I think. 16 times over his last 16 games or something like that and it it's just that's that was one part of his game that was just a part of him and slowly but surely he has started to eradicate that from his game just like he has all of these other things so again the 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 impressions of Allen and how he's been able to get himself together in so many different areas has been outright impressive, and this game was just another uh, another big sign of improvement for him moving forward and to what he can be um, for this team moving forward. And whether or not he can do this consistently, we'll have to see, but he's uh, he's certainly on the way for this Bills team and, and figuring out exactly how high they can climb this season not even just in the future with him at the helm this season because this is as good of an opportunity as as they've had certainly in the last 20 25 years but but yeah this is you can't look at a 7 and 2 start with a win over a team like the Seahawks and with a in a wide open AFC East for for you to win and potentially being able to play and go toe to toe with some of the elite teams in the AFC that's you can't just look at this opportunity and be like oh you know what the division's good enough it's it's starting to feel like it needs to be a little bit more than that just just with the way that they've been playing I've said it before and I think it bears repeating and and probably even more so on a day like this one that the window in 2020 you know, you don't know how long it stays open and it might not be forever. You know, you, you have these years that come around where you think it's a really good opportunity and, oh, you know, this team will be back year after year. And it doesn't always happen that way. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you could look around at a lot of examples where it doesn't happen that way. So I, I think when you, look at the Seahawks, right? Like that's a team that has had so many opportunities and, um, you know, they've won a Super Bowl, but then when you pay your quarterback as much money as they pay Russell Wilson, other parts of your team start to break down. Like who would have thought that the Seahawks, you know, in a span of Russell Wilson's career would have the league's best pass defense and then go all the way to having the league's worst pass defense. You know, other parts of your team, yeah, you have to sacrifice when you, invest a lot of money in a quarterback and the bills aren't too far from having to do that. And so, you know, what the rest of this team looks like around Josh Allen over the next few years, 
who knows? And so, you know, maybe next year the Patriots bounce back or Tua takes a huge jump. You just don't know what the the rest of the landscape looks like. So, uh, yeah, the idea of, oh, win the division and get in, and that's the step forward. You can't really take too many baby steps to get to the ultimate goal. I I mean, once you're in the dance, you've got a shot. And especially in a weird year like this one where it feels – as wide open as ever, um, you know, why not make a run? Um, if not now, then when? Right, exactly. It has to be, I mean, you can have a long-term vision, but it has to be one-year windows. And Man, yeah, when you're in out. year four now, right? right like, exactly. I mean, year three of your quarterback and year four of your head coach, it, I mean, you can't keep kicking the can down the road. The The, you know, the window is open. So, well, the analogy doesn't really work if you're like, the window's open, jump through it. That's I don't know why people say the window. Uh, the door. The championship door, the door is open. Walk through it. The door is open, uh, very much so. Window I mean, is open. I mean, you could jump through a window. A, the window is, I mean, you could, but that's <laughs> not really the proper uh, analogy to uh, winning a, a championship, right? You're right. defenestrating yourself in that uh, scenario. You'd rather open the door and walk through it. A championship window is open. Or perhaps know. if you're trying to waft in the smells of a championship, that's when you open the window. And then know. it gets slammed just, shut on you. Or you open the window just, to hear all this. I don't know. It's a phrase I haven't really thought about. Or really, uh, championship window is not really a phrase that I've had to uh, use too often. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get into the defensive side of the ball because while the the Josh Allen performance was the the calling card of the game, you have to give a major um, amount of respect to what the defense was able to do against this Russell Wilson-led passing attack because although they allowed 34 points, there were just so many instances of them stepping up in a big spot, whether it was through a turnover or what to me was the most impressive part of the game for them. I mean, the turnovers were good. Don't get me wrong. And they were a part of what I'm about to say, but only allowing the Seahawks to convert on three of 12 third down opportunities was a game changing stat for the bills in, in this game. I mean, that's 25%, which is about half of half of the uh, conversion percentage they've been allowing this entire season, which has been around the 50% mark, which is really bad. Like, like uh, some of the worst third down uh, conversion percentages that we've seen from this team. And them being able to turn that around against such a prolific offense – I mean, this is, and and we've known for a while now that in these types of games against these types of opponents, 
that a Sean McDermott-led pass defense has usually performed pretty well. Now, you're going to look at the box score and say, if you didn't watch this game, and go, okay, well, Wilson got his and wound up passing for about, what do you end up with, like 390 yards or something like that? Um, you could you could easily go, well, they, how, how good did they actually perform? But they did because a lot of those yards came in garbage time. And when the game was already well in hand for the Bills, and what they were able to do both in getting pressure on Russell Wilson, not allowing him to escape the pocket like we talked about in the preview pod to really just crush your soul with a third down pickup. I mean, the defensive ends did a great job. The secondary, the the safeties did a great job. Uh, the cornerbacks did a really nice job. Um, and and quite frankly, the pass rush was there for the Bills too. And they were aggressive in, in calling blitzes to not let Wilson get comfortable, which is kind of a rarity with him because he always looks like he's just so smooth back there, even when he's he's running for his life. And just watching them have a game plan, execute it as well as they did, and to have as much success on third downs as they did, I mean, that's just a that that's just a, a a major major step forward for this defense against against a really good offense. Yeah, it felt a little bit like 2019 and not all the way back to what they were, but what we talked about leading into the game where had this game been played a calendar year ago, I would have thought Sean McDermott's defense more than capable of that type of performance, but it felt like we hadn't really seen it yet this year. Um, mm-hmm. And to put all the different components together and you know in this game they didn't really have to stop the run the Seahawks didn't run the ball much why would they 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 have a great passing offense and they didn't have Chris Carson so or Carlos Hyde yeah they're two top running backs they they didn't really you know even feign interest in the running game and they were also down you know 17 to nothing pretty quickly but you know so that's still a an a lingering potential issue for this Bills defense but even to see the pass defense show up and and you know Russell Wilson had 390 yards but the big plays to me were missing from this group and Travis White making the interception that he did he was on DK Metcalf for a lot of this game Metcalf had 100 yards um, he ended up having a touchdown when Travis White went out of the game but that was a play where they were looking for Metcalf but White wasn't on him and mm-hmm. he, you know, really read Russell Wilson the whole way. You could see it happening, but Russell Wilson just missed him. Uh, and, you know, the Jordan Poyer interception was more of a, a desperation play by Russell Wilson, but that Tredavious White play was one that they the Bills badly needed because that point in the game that you were referencing where things weren't going well for their offense and the Seahawks were closing the gap and it felt like they – they had a chance in the game. That all pretty much ended when when Tre'Davious White got that interception, and I think a lot of those big plays, or basically all of those big plays, you can credit the pressure they got up front, uh, mm-hmm. and the pressure you get up front is repeatable. Whether you get interceptions is, um, you know, it's kind of up to you know how much the quarterback's putting the ball in harm's way, 
But the pressure is repeatable, and the pressure is what causes those types of plays. And it's one of the best games from a pressure standpoint that we've seen, probably the best game that we've seen from them all year in that department. And uh, it came from all over the place. So I think that's uh, the most encouraging sign for this defense moving forward. It feels like years ago that I was sitting here on this podcast feverishly defending Jerry Hughes and how well he played against the Tennessee Titans, even though everyone thought that he didn't. But, you know, it's just, I mean, they they have been so high on Hughes this season and with what he's been able to do. And for for a while there, people were thinking, Oh, what good is pass rush win rate if, if you're not coming down with sacks? But you know, you, you continue to win at the rate he is, then odds are those opportunities are going to come and they have for the Bills, uh, especially in the last few weeks here. So when you and that's the perfect way to put it, that as you did, the pressure is repeatable if you were able to win consistently enough. I think the interior line play has has been a lot better from a pass rushing perspective recently for the Bills. And you have Hughes winning on the outside. Addison added a sack today. Um, if they're going to get some positive contributions out of A.J. Klein as a blitzer moving forward, that can be a good thing. Uh, I don't know how sustainable that is, but uh, that was... That they made him their calling card with with their blitzes today, and and it worked a lot. I think he had a, a couple of sacks. The he had the fumble force, the fumble recovered, and I think he had a couple more pressures as well. So he's, he was just he was just back there. Uh, I'll be curious to see how good he was the rest of the game in both coverage and um, as a run defender for the few times that they actually ran. But uh, when he was asked to blitz he did his job really well so now it's just a matter of making that become a consistent facet of your offense because the bills had one major thing going in their favor they knew the seahawks were going to pass and they knew the seahawks were going to pass it a lot because not only is russell wilson playing at the highest level of any quarterback in the league this year they also had nothing going for their their run offense and especially without uh, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde and Carson's really good um, DJ Dallas not so much as we saw today and Travis Homer who is more of a, a pass catching back than anything I mean there's there, that's not really gonna inspire fear in, in a defense so Bills sold out to stop the pass they even mixed in some dime looks in this game, which they don't really do that all that often. Um, all of these different things played into the Bills' hands. So now it's it's a matter of, can you do it against a team that has a more multi-dimensional approach? And can you continue to apply that pressure without selling out uh, as uh, with um, unique blitzes and being aggressive in that way? And can you continue get to get that consistent level of play against some good offenses like we're going to see against uh, the Cardinals coming up. And can you do that when you have to worry about a bunch of other things that, that they bring to the table too? Yeah, it's it's becoming more and more just about the matchups that they draw. Um, and they right. match up better against certain teams than they do others. If, if a team's going to pass the ball, 
a bunch, the Bills are probably going to have a pretty good time against that group. Um, not all the time. Um, you know, you can't can't win every game or every matchup, but those tend to be the teams that they stack up against a little bit better. It's the teams that can run um, that give them, you know, a problem. The teams that are physical up front, uh, like the Titans, that that give them a bit of a problem. Even the Patriots exactly. in the second half of that game, they couldn't pass at all um, for most of that game, but but still managed to wear them down on defense. So, yeah, that'll end up being about the matchup that they draw when it matters. Um, next week, I'd, I don't know really what to expect having – I only have really watched the Cardinals in passing a couple of games this year. Not – like many offenses that they'll see anywhere else and so that makes it a little bit tricky but uh, they also have a quarterback who's you know perhaps um you know outside of lamar jackson and maybe even including lamar jackson this year the best rushing threat at the position so um everything is so much about the matchups that that they draw and yes one team might be better record-wise than another but that doesn't mean that the bills will have a harder time with them all the time Sometimes a team that doesn't have as good of a record is going to be uh, more of a pain in the ass for this this defense, and that's just uh, the nature of of the game. And I guess the the question they have to answer as a defense is, what are they going to do? What's their answer going to be to those teams that they don't match up well against? Because mm-hmm. those are the ones that they're going to see, uh, as we mentioned. You know, the I mean, nobody really uh, looks at the matchup against the Chiefs and says, "Oh yeah, I want that." Uh, but the Chiefs are one that that give them some trouble. Clearly, um, the the Steelers could be one of those teams. We'll see. We'll get a a gauge of that. But the Titans and the Ravens, um, with their ability to run the football, certainly present some challenges. So, uh, you know, still seven games to figure it all out, um, and you know, figure out what they are on defense. But I feel like we have a pretty good idea of of which teams are going to give them a problem and which teams they're going to be able to hold their own against. And frankly, they don't win a game like this if their offense doesn't play so well because they still allowed right. 34 points uh, and you know still allowed 390 passing yards to Russell Wilson. But that's the NFL in 2020. You can allow 390 passing yards and 34 points and still call it a good game. It's weird to say, but when you turn, <laughs> you know, take the ball away four times, I'd say it's a pretty good game, regardless of what the the points and the the yards say. And the uh, the offensive output for the Bills could have been better because it it didn't end up being a factor. But let's not forget the first and goal from the one that they squandered and ended up having to kick a field goal um, a- after three broken down chances where they got a little cute uh, down at the goal line and. Um, and yeah, they wound up only kicking a field goal there. So it could have been 48 for the bills, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess you, you can't, uh, always expect a touchdown every single time, but it seemed like a pretty darn good opportunity. Anyway, neither here nor there. All right, let's give out some awards, shall we? Uh, there are not as many, um, I guess candidates for, some of our more usual awards. So I'll be curious to see what uh, what will scrounge up here because the Bills looked pretty good throughout the entire game. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to start things off just on the, 
the negative side and then and then kind of uh, get into the the perseverance award and everything like that so we'll kick it off with the Vontae Davis award for the player that did not show up in the second half of this game so who do you got for that and why I feel like there are a cluster of players that are candidates for the Vontae Davis award or the Dre Archer award um I'm going to say Devin Singletary for the Vontae Davis Award. He didn't do a whole lot in the game, period. Um, Three catches for 33 yards, two rushes for a yard, and if not for another member of his draft class, would have been a prime candidate for the Dre Archer Award, but um, there's somebody else a little bit more deserving of that. Ooh, I know who you're talking about. Um yeah, I think I think he is a good candidate for this. I was actually a little surprised that when the Bills were going through their problems with protection and when the Seahawks were starting to get pressure on them, they kept Zach Moss on the field. And Moss is he's a solid pass protector, but Devin Singletary has been awesome at blitz pickup this year so i was pretty surprised that they just kept trotting zach moss out there for all of those plays and just hoped it would get better but but yeah uh, so yeah i i think i think singletary is a a good candidate for this one you know in his defense they didn't really want to run the ball at all today and when they were in goal to go situations they're not they uh they have favored moss all season he actually got a an opportunity at the goal line today and got, um, you know, stuffed. But I think for him, th- this was a, a bad game script for Singletary. So, but either way, that's worthy of a Vontae Davis award because he had some success early in the game with the, as a pass catcher. Okay. Um, the Dre Archer award. I know who you're going to say. So I think, I would probably give it to their position on the whole. So I won't steal your thunder. You just you 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 go you go and get you some uh, Dre Archer award, and then and then I'll uh, follow it up with with the position old thoughts too. Yeah, it's I, I think it's got to be Dawson Knox here. Um, yep. The he was kind of invisible in this game and. Uh, they did get a touchdown from Tyler Croft, but other than that, they didn't really need t- the tight ends in this game. Um, not on the field a lot, and, um, you know, Dawson Knox has been working through some injuries, and he had COVID, and he was on the COVID list, so um, still going to have to, you know, work his way back into the fold a little bit, and, you know, with the Bills going with four wide receivers so much, they didn't really need Dawson Knox, but... Um, really hasn't been much of a factor in his second season a pretty disappointing second year for him very much so so there the tight ends wound up playing let's see uh quite a bit actually but i think there was like 18 19 plays including penalties that there wasn't a tight end on the field but for all the all the rest of the time Tyler Croft, by my count, wound up with 30 snaps. Dawson Knox wound up with 24, so Croft outsnapped Knox. And then Reggie Gilliam had 13, which was 
his highest snap percentage of the season so far this year. So maybe that's something to track. But <laughs> the tight end group has been such a huge disappointment this season from a passing offense perspective. You look at what they did compared to what the rest of the passing offense did. It's it's kind of hilarious to think about. Tyler Croft had the one-yard touchdown, so you can't take that away from the group. But the entire position needs the Dre Archer Award here because that catch was not only the tight end group's only catch of the game, it was their only target of the game. And I don't know if this is a Josh Allen thing or maybe they're just not getting open out there. Maybe I, I'll probably just have to go look at it. But goodness gracious, like how did the tight end get phased out of this offense this quickly? I mean, unless it's a a designated play for for that position, whether it be for Croft or Knox or for Gilliam on like a screen or, or something like that. Allen's just not even thinking about them. So, Dree Archer Award to the tight ends on the whole because it's been, this has been the, the worst of it yet where they have just been completely phased out. Yeah, it's um, kind of a non-factor in the passing game when you throw for 415 yards and tight ends have one. Um, <laughs> right. That That kind of tells you all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's head to the Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance. We've we had a lot of write-ins on this one, and I think it's I think it's probably the the right answer. Uh, it's got to be AJ Klein, right? I mean, uh, he's he's had a really bad season, but he had his day today, and I believe it was either Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. I can't remember which one it was like. Uh, AJ Klein had the game of his life. <laughs> I believe is what they said. Let me actually they said let me day find my notebook. Life. Day of his life. I'm sorry. Um, Day of his life. So that's even bigger than game. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, do you have any disagreements there? I think for me, it has to be AJ Klein for how he affected the game. Yeah. For a guy that, you know, took a lot of heat, whether he knew it or not, whether he heard or read any of it or not. um, I'm sure even just sitting in the film room and watching himself play was not a pleasant experience, but (laughs) he, you know, found a role that worked uh the coaches found a role that worked for him and he executed it very well um you know he wasn't perfect but as a blitzer and getting into the backfield he made a couple of really big plays and maybe that you know gives them an idea of how to use him going forward they have talked so much about uh, how much he's had to fill in and play out of place and you know they've made some excuses for him and hey if they can find a role that works and he can play like that. You know, he's a guy that can contribute on this defense. They signed him to be their third linebacker and he has had to, to do a bit more than that this year because of uh, the injuries that they've had and, um, and, and things like that. So good game from him. And, you know, maybe he can be uh, more of a piece to the puzzle going forward. My only question is how sustainable that is with him because he's not super explosive either. And now he's basically unblocked her, on yeah, both. That's what of I mean. Those sacks. But I mean, you know, he's a guy that, that's gonna understand his assignment. He's gonna, you know, know where to be and 
I mean, getting into the back, the the fumble he caused, um, you know, was a big play. But yeah, they were they were not high degree of difficulty. He was not making pass mm-hmm. rush moves. He was basically just running full speed into the quarterback, which um, it worked. So I don't know if it's repeatable. I don't know if it's something that becomes a part of their defense. But all the same, uh, when a guy takes a bunch of heat and then goes out and has a big game, it's uh, it's what the the award is made for, essentially. Mm-hmm. All right, now the Gotta Watch the Film Award, I think I'll probably give it to just the offensive line for the, for those plays where it was just kind of breaking down and it seemed like it was going to get pretty close uh, there between the Seahawks and the Bills. And, you know, line play is a a heavy, heavy, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, I couldn't couldn't see, really see it from field level. I got to watch the tape to see exactly what uh, – what was going on back there. But, but yeah, I think, I think the, the line had quite a few breakdowns in the second half that they weren't in the first half. And it led to some pretty hairy moments for the bills. Yeah. Which is somewhat to be uh, expected with some, some injuries and whatnot up front, but um, not also their the best. Seahawks hit. were not a good pass rushing team coming into this game. No, they did blitz a lot and that, you know, yeah, when did. you have some backup linemen and, you're spreading the the field the way the Bills were, that'll get you. Um, but yeah, Josh Allen was sacked more often than he has been in any game in his career, but one. Uh, so I think uh, that's a, a a fair a fair place to place some of the blame. Indeed. Okay. I think uh, I think that's gonna do it for this rendition of the Buffalo Beat. The uh, the Bills are. Seven and two, which I think uh, is, I would say Bills fans are probably excited about that. And they've got a matchup with the Cardinals coming up, a bye week after that to kind of refresh themselves. And they, they must be loving the, the late bye week uh, for, for uh, being able to get a week off, especially going into the stretch run of the season and everything like that. That's, it's so much more of an advantage than having a, an early bye week, like a week four or week five. So they have to be pretty excited about that. But either way, the Bills are seven and two. And now we'll see if they can go toe to toe with another good team in the Cardinals, even though they just lost to the Dolphins. Yeah, All right, Matthew Fairburn, any. That's a heck of an offense that the Cardinals yes. have. Capable of Kyler exploding. just rushed for 100 yards, I think, today. Yeah, it's it's a, an explosive group with a receiver who has uh, said some some things about Tre'Davious White in the past. So it'll be uh it'll be an interesting game to to watch. It's a shame that that we won't be in the desert for it. Yes, and also uh, DeAndre Hopkins did a a number on on Tre'Davious White in that playoff game too. So we shall see. All right, Matthew Fairburn, anything? Uh... Any more fond words of farewell uh, for the day for our listeners? Well, uh, as I'm as I'm sitting here recording this, uh, the Buccaneers are getting handled by the Saints, which means we're probably inching closer to Blaine Gabbert entering the game for Tom Brady. Tom Brady just threw one of the ugliest interceptions you'll see. Um, and... As Jonah Bronstein informed me on Twitter, Blaine Gabbert's little brother is coming 
or I don't know if he's coming to Buffalo, but UB's playing against Blaine Gabbert's little brother this week on ESPN. So the world is about to get all the Gabbert it can <laughs> handle in the next few days. Uh, yes, the the uh, younger Gabbert plays for Miami of Ohio. and, and Brett yeah, Gabbert, gonna, I believe it is. Going to get some straight-up Gabbert maction. So. On a Tuesday, I think it is. So... Yeah. How, how are you going to celebrate? Potential to, well, it'll be like, you know, how most people celebrate election night, all snacks and everything else, uh, the whole spread. It'll be, that'll be like me just a week later. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I wish you a lot of, a lot of luck in your, in your, uh, Gabbert, um, hopes and dreams over the next really hour and a half of this Bucks game and then and then in the uh, Miami of Ohio game. All right. That'll do it for us. Uh the Bills you know, they've got a quite an impressive win under their belts and now they move on to see if they can make it uh, 3-0 against NFC West opponents against one of the better divisions in football, really. So, uh, it, it should be another good challenge for them and we'll be going over that matchup in full. Uh, later on this week when we reconvene for our preview edition of the Buffalo Bean Podcast. Okay, so if you uh, haven't yet, please be sure to head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat and subscribe to The Athletic. And by doing so, you can get a special uh, reduced fee for a yearly subscription. You can find all of our written work over there, uh, whether it be Matthew's breakdown of Josh Allen, my observations, my all 22 stuff. Uh, Tim Graham wrote a number on how big this this win is for the McDermott era and uh, and everything along those lines. And and if you're not just into the bills, you can you can read about just about anything else in the sports world that we cover. And we have a reporter covering that. All right. So that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. My name is Joe Biscalia and for Matthew Fairburn. We will talk to you on the Buffalo Beat next time. See you then. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.